This call may be recorded or transcribed. Hello, John. Hi, Ernie. How are you? Doing pretty good. Uh, a little groggy. I woke up at 4 o'clock in the morning. So some nasal issues, but I'm actually going into work for the first time in, I guess, the second time. Uh, so it's, uh, my first boss is uh, leaving. Not I'm sorry. I misunderstand. I'm having Sorry, can you hear me okay? I can now. Yes, I missed you there. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm going into the office for like... Ernie, okay, Ernie, the, your your voice is fading in and out, or the call is fading in and out. Um, so uh, I heard some of what you said. Testing one two three. Testing one two three. Hear you, you one hear two now? three. Yes, is I hear you better? one two three. Much better. Yes. Okay. Anyway, yeah, I'm actually you're driving going, into work. Yes, and for this, you said it's the second time you've had to drive in into the office at us, and it's a startup. That much I heard. Sorry, no, yeah. So the reason I'm going in is my first boss is leaving our company to go join another startup. Oh, oh. So it's kind of a oh. celebratory slash farewell lunch because, like, I don't actually need to go into the office for actual work, but for uh -huh. social occasions is when I have to go into the office. <clears throat> Yeah. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, so, yeah. you, so you're 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 the boss of this company is now leaving to start another startup or go to another startup. So, no, the, no, the engineering manager who I worked for when I first joined Nato five and a half years ago, he's leaving um, uh, along with our VP of engineering to go do their own startup. So oh, okay. It's kind of a. Wow. Significant shift. It's actually worked out well because it helped us get our group realigned, and so it's all working out well. But oh, it is okay. sort of bittersweet, and there's like four of us that are still around from those days, so we're all getting together for lunch to say goodbye and also catch up with oh, each other. Okay. Oh, okay. Cool. Cool. How is that startup doing? Uh, we're doing well. Uh, we have a little bit of a crunch going on because we're trying to get ready to go public sometime next year, so. Mm, having to get mm. our ducks in a row. Yes. And so I'm just reminding myself that um, this is actually the interesting part of being at a startup is the fact that uh, we it's an existential crisis being a startup. <laughs> and so yes. in the early phases, it's about like doing whatever it takes to survive. Uh, because there's no point in thinking long-term because you're not sure if you're going to be around in six months. And if you don't <laughs> focus on surviving, you won't be around in six months. But then Gosh. once you say, okay, now we think we're actually going to be around for a long time, let's figure out how to get ourselves on a sustainable uh, process. Mm, mm, and I think yes. actually, interestingly, one, that's what, why I think my boss is leaving is like, he's kind of bored. I'm surprised he lasted this long because he's more of an early stage <laughs> startup kind of guy. Mm. And I remember having a conversation with him about a year in, like, do you want to move up the chain and be a manager? Or do you want to stay as an individual hands-on programmer? Right? Because yeah. in the early days of a startup, you need to do both. But eventually, you kind of need to specialize. 
Um, although they say the best so, engineering manager is bounced back and forth between being an individual contributor and a high level mm. organizer. Um, mm. So I guess he's that seems, uh, ready to swing back in the other direction. Okay, yeah, that's it's hard to do both at the same time. I think um, at least at least my perspective is, you know, I was I was both a manager and a and a individual contributor. Um, it was, but but fortunately, at the end of my career, I only had one person who was a direct report, and a few others who were kind of general reports, but not not very specific. So interesting. Yeah, anyway. you you can kind of do the player coach thing if you have mm-hmm. like um, a. I mean, and, and my boss, you know, he's a VP of information technology, but he does a lot of hands-on stuff um, mm-hmm. and really spares me a lot of the grunt work, but. They mm-hmm. say, uh, uh, you know, he you know, has been having to spend more time trying to sort of deal with these higher level organizational things to make sure that we get more resources so he's not just doing everything oh. himself. Uh, yes, yeah. yes, yes. But, but it's so. interesting. Uh, that brings up the thing I wanted to discuss with you is that I feel like a lot of the things we have in Christianity were like things we had to do to survive not necessarily the things we want to be doing long-term or want to be focusing on long-term. Mm. And this question of like, what does it even mean to be a Christian or what is the point of being a Christian? And mm-hmm. I think it really comes down to uh, um, a loving like Jesus, mm-hmm. right? To be able to love God yes. like Jesus did, to love ourselves yes. like Jesus did, and love others as Jesus did. And yes. I'm not sure if that's the only way to phrase it, but certainly whatever it is has to be sort of consistent with those things. Oh, yeah. And include yes. those things, right? Yes. And what's funny right. is that when you say it, it seems so obvious. And yet, like 90% of what we do as Christians is only tangentially related to that. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. I I think that's I think that's right. I think it's you know when I look back at the at the stuff I was doing in the past, I can I can see. Well, I think the main thing is uh, that that I'm feeling right now is that the Holy Spirit is is and not even so much asking me, but I'm just looking at what what is my motivation for doing these things? What is really my motivation? Mm. You know, what's, what is the bottom line? Am I doing this out of performance to build a reputation for myself to, to gain brownie points in heaven to do a checklist? Or am I really doing things out of love? And I, I, feel, mm. uh, I feel like that's an area of, of growing, uh, growing for me. Uh, I was just thinking about Dr. Susan Richards. You remember the woman who was a Stanford yeah. physician and, yeah, and, and yeah. then was, yeah, had powerful prayer ministry. Well, the first she I went to an Ed Soboso conference four years ago, five years ago, something like that, and locally, and and she was there speaking one night, and she said something that kind of stopped me in my tra- tracks at the time, and I didn't know what to do with it. She said, you know, before I pray for people or before we pray for people, we need to send them our love, and I thought, what does that mean? How does that you know how does that work? Mm. What? But what I'm seeing is. And, and and the book that I'm reading on healing by Francis McNutt is just re- reinforcing it. It said, uh, Mother Teresa is quoted as saying, we can't do great things for God, but we can do little things with great love. And 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 the more the more I'm 
the older I'm getting, the more I'm seeing that what she was saying, what others are saying are true. If, if we don't have love in what we're doing, if our foundation isn't love, if we're not acting out of love and love being seeking the the best, you know, the best for the people we're ministering to, um, then something's wrong. <laughs> you know. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Something's I missing. Think the, yeah, I think that you know the the um, the gracious interpretation is that there's things we have to do in order to survive. And if you yes. don't survive, then you really can't do anything, <laughs> yes. right? And so we think about right. all the structures and the the creeds and the manifestations. And it's like, you know, some of these things were necessary to survive and uh, they're useful for love. And, you know, I think what happens though is that we get, it's kind of like the same thing, is the things that we did to get us here, that we had to do in order to survive, if we get stuck on those, th that's when they turn toxic, right? Mm -hmm. It's all these structures and arguments. And all right. I think about, right. yeah, and I think about the last century of the charismatic movement. Like, there was certainly um, a deep hunger for God at the root of it. Yes. And a deep desire to glorify God at yes. the... Um, you know, that, 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 that energized that movement. But, you know, the, the, the thing was, and I think that, you know, there was such a lack of power in so many of these people, you know, coming from the poor and the marginalized right. and the disenfranchised, that, mm -hmm. you know, the fact that they could tap into the power of God and the healing of God and the miracles was an extraordinary proof of, you know, not just God's love for them, but their love for God. Mm -hmm. And it mm -hmm. was a, 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 a incredibly necessary thing. But, uh, you know, it's so easy to get the thing that was the attraction can become the distraction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I think that yes. this is the, um, the completion of the redemptive arc. It's like, okay, we mm. had to kind of play this card as far as it could be played because there was so much that had been unexplored that we needed to explore, right? Mm -hmm. But then we need to come back to it's like, okay, but now we need to come back to the center, which is love, which I think yeah. is um, uh, this thing. So this is a, the fascinating story. There's this guy, Joel McGill. It's like my best friend that I just met. Uh, mm -hmm. who was running a group called All America out of YWAM, which is this sort of consortium, mm. consortium of other uh, ministries. They call it Table 59, one of these big Billy Graham Evangelistic Association global gatherings mm -hmm. around mm -hmm. all these people. And they're like, Table 59, there was like Crew, Crusade, and YWAM, and a bunch of others. Mm -hmm. And they said, well, let's just figure out how to do everything that, that mm -hmm. no one else is doing. And that led yes. to this movement, uh, and then the local one for the U.S. is called All America. But what's mm. fascinating is that at the high level, it's this really structured programmatic thing about uh, saturation evangelism and defining these five mm -hmm. metrics around Bible engagement and connection and, uh, you know, uh, ministering to people and so forth, uh, which is, you know, great. But the interesting part is in order to get there, they're having to do this really uh, ground level uh, spiritual unity of really bringing people together in brokenness and mm. vulnerability to connect with one another in Christ. 
But the really hilarious part is he comes from like a Baptist background and he's in YWAM, right? And so all this uh-huh. charismatic stuff, you know, he's kind of like, okay, I can accept them real. It's just not really comfortable for me. Uh, but then uh, <laughs> along the way, like God took him out to a field and told him that this next revival is not about the gifts of the spirit, but about uh-huh. the fruit of the spirit. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And um, I've been really wrestling with this idea that it's really the fruit singular right? Not the fruits, plural. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that uh, I, I was just reading yesterday that like the fruit is, is really love, but all these other, you know, uh, labels are different dimensions of love. Uh, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, general self-control. And that mm-hmm. these are the, the, the manifold nature of love. And uh, one thing that Joel said was that, you know, one of the reasons we have professionalized ministry is, which I guess started with Constantine and the, the sort of the institutionalization of the church, is that yes. um, professionalism allows us to function even if the fruit is absent. Mm. <laughs> mm. You know, and I, mm. and I think about charisma, both in the sort of charismatic Pentecostal sense of the, of the, the gifts of the spirit, and I think yes. about charisma in the sort of more evangelical sense of the fiery, passionate, uh, educated preacher. And I realize that both of these things are incredibly useful, but they can also function in the absence of fruit or even the absence of a genuine, you know, contrite yes. spirit. And, yes. but we needed these things. Cause like, you know, the reason Christianity survived in the West, Ted Oz was telling me is because we made peace with the powers that be, and we survived. And in the East, we got crushed by the powers that be. So, like, you know, mm. if we hadn't done this, we wouldn't have survived. We had to create these mm. structures and these compromises to, um, uh, to coexist. But, like, those very structures that helped us survive, what I'm dealing with at work this week, is, like, now the toxic legacy that we have to sort of uproot or redeem in order mm. to become the sustainable thing that is our whole purpose for actually being. Mm. Mm. That's really interesting. I, you know, I, I think that from, from what I understand that it, the, that the appearance of Constantine brought a, a, in the West brought an amalgamation of spiritual power and, political power and Mm -hmm. from that from that point it seemed like things went downhill uh like they went downhill and uphill right i mean like because it created this vast sea of people who copied scripture who you know and the fact that all the revivals we know about the moravians the pietists the great awakening like those were extraordinary things which built oh, upon yes. this substructure of the printed word of God, of nations where you can yes, talk right. about Jesus without getting killed, right? You know, so I think that it, it's not that it was mm. all downhill, right? Because that's too cynical a reading, right? Because don't forget, <laughs> things were pretty messy beforehand, right? Yeah, right. In church, right? It's, like, it's not like things were all mm-hmm. sunshine and rainbows before time right. right? But right. in some sense, we kind of made a deal with the devil and that we were able to grow and diversify and reach out 
uh, in so many ways. Um, but, you know, and, and like there were victories over the devil, right, where we were able to accomplish things that pushed back the darkness, right? Uh, there's no question that Europe post-Constantine, post-Christianity, was a far more harmonious and unified place. I mean, it allowed us to function as a single community, uh, you know, in a, before we were just warring tribes, huh. right? And that yeah. is not a small thing. You know, I, uh, this is the last two years I've taught, you know, civilization is a nice thing to have. But I can trust people yes. are going to pick up our garbage and deliver groceries from 100 miles away or 1,000 miles away. Yes. Like, yes. so that I don't have to just worry about, like, basic survival all the time, right? Right. And so, like, we owe that to Constantine and his descendants and all the emperors mm. before and after, you know, as ugly as some of the things they had to do were. And, and I feel like a lot. It's like, okay, you know, this is honoring our father and mother. Is that's what's got us here. But there was a price that they paid and a debt they took on, right? Uh, we have this phrase, technical debt in business. Have you heard this one? No. In the world of software, it's like, okay, we need to add this feature for the big product launch next week. And the elegant way to do that is to refactor the system and build it cleanly so it works nicely, or we can hack it together on top and get it out the door in a week. Right. Mm -hmm. And 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 there is a and it's like financial debt. OK, we are going to do something mm -hmm. we know is not sustainable and we're going to pay yes. for it. There's interest payments because it means that the code is messy and we have to always patch around it and, you know, explain right. it to everybody so they don't touch this one code because if they pull it out, everything will fall apart. But yes. like financial, debt, it helps us move faster. And if you're competing against people or against a market that's moving faster, if you don't do that, you die. Right. <laughs> If you don't, mm -hmm. and, and that's and that's technical debt and financial debt. It's like, look, you know, this is the the reality of the modern world. Is that if your enemies are willing, if your competitors are willing to take on debt to move faster, to do the the ugly, messy thing, they will survive, and you won't. And so, in some ways, to survive, you have to take on this debt. But a, you keep paying the interest because of all the friction this yeah. induces, and b, some point the principal comes due. Yes. And yes. I think that what's happening is the interest we are paying on our spiritual debts is getting higher than our ability to pay. And the principal, I think, is coming due. Mm. And all these things we try to build on top of, you know, the spiritual legacy systems are you know, we try these like simple, obvious things. Like, why can't we just pray for each other and get along? And like, yes. why doesn't this work anymore? Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, all the yes. revival techniques, whether it's the Moody type revivals or the Pentecostal type revivals, like we're having these blessings and they're great and awesome, but somehow they don't seem to be having the lasting transformational uh, societal change or deep personal change that we saw a hundred years ago or 200 years ago. Right. 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 And the answer is right. like, okay, it's not that we're doing something wrong. It's like they were, um, but we've, um, that well is run dry. And I feel like we mm -hmm. have to sort of get back to this deep taproot, like even deeper than the early church, like going back and trying to do first century stuff. It's like, well, you know, there were issues that they didn't actually solve either. <laughs> They were just right. kind of overtaken by events. And mm -hmm. how do we, so 
it really so there's two things so when we're talking about revival and this idea that revival's coming um you know i remember my prehistory of the san francisco revival uh, mm-hmm. imagining this the the phrase that kept coming to mind like what is what is the thing about this revival that is the distinctive and mm-hmm. I was convinced that it had to be cruciform, or I guess cruciferous is the term you use for cauliflower and broccoli, right? Things mm-hmm. in the shape of a cross. Right. right. And, and then lately, you know, I've been sort of looking for that, trying to figure out what that means, how that looks. And then lately this phrase, which I guess has been popping up a couple of different places, like Joel said, even a friend of his had the same word, uh, you know, within a couple of weeks of him getting it. And I think there's others who've been talking about it too. I don't know if they're hearing from each other or God's just telling everybody separately. Mm-hmm. But this idea that this revival will be about the fruit of the spirit, not the gifts of the spirit. Um, and that, so, um, so there is, apparently there is no such thing as a cruciferous fruit, only a cruciferous vegetable. Uh, but uh, that feels like the thing that if we were to understand it and focus on it, this would shape how we pray, how we disciple, how we manifest the spirit, all these things are coming together around this idea of, uh, you know, for lack of a better label, cruciferous fruit, which isn't probably a great mm-hmm. marketing term, but at least <laughs> as a technical term of art, this feels like the thing that God wants us to do. Interestingly, my friend, our, our friend, Randy Melton, was oh, yeah. sharing uh, on a Tuesday night at the prayer meeting that he really feels like we need to be doing discipleship more. Mm. And that led to some discussion. And the first thing I noticed was that I felt really tired. <laughs> that like, you know, yes. when I think about like starting a program and finding people, and it's like, uh, you know, like, yeah, like I feel like there's a thing we need to do. And you could probably call it discipleship. But all the images that come into my head, I just like feel this great weariness. Like I just don't have the energy to go there. And as I was processing this and thinking about this idea of fruit, I was thinking, well, what if maybe discipleship is more a matter of becoming than a matter of doing? Well, that's really interesting. That's really interesting that you just said that word. Um, Okay. Because because becoming. uh, Because um, about 10 weeks ago – or so Joey and I stumbled across a um a book called um, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Ooh. And uh, and its name the the name of the author is Peter Scazzaro. And he's uh, he's he and his wife are have, have a church in New York City, I believe. And um they what what they they what they were what they were saying what he has said in the book, I believe, um, and they have a whole program, said worldwide the church suffers from, from, uh, in general, from people who are, uh, who are often very spiritually attuned, but can't get along with one another because they're emotionally <laughs> immature or you know or damaged, Wounded and they or, don't. Yeah. Re- they don't know what to do, but he. But the interesting thing about this book is, you would think on, uh, you think, okay, so what are the things we need to do? And yes, he does give some things, but, but the emphasis is more on refocusing your relationship on the Lord Himself, and 
and coming and 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 how to do that practically in a busy world where we're harassed and distracted and you know and all sorts of things are happening and it, and it it really seems like it seems to me like i believe what he is saying is that it really is important to learn how to slow down and re-engage with the lord in a way that's healthy and sustainable and in that sense as we re-engage with him and make him the center of what we're doing rather than the <clears throat> coach on the sideline um sort of thing we really we become we start to bear the fruit of you know the fruit of the spirit anyway um I, I this may be a distraction i'm not sure whether this is a good thing for you to read or not uh but i'm just making you aware of it we've been we have a, a small group that's been meeting and just mm. and going through go through go through this book we um a group of people who are um i would say very spiritually mature they're very much acquainted with and using the gifts of the spirit and not all of them are emotionally immature but some of them are and and frankly we've had to deal a whole lot with young people who really do have this extraordinary giftedness dedication to the lord and mission minded mentality but they're continually coming up short in terms of relating in a healthy way to one another anyway the book explores why that's so and what and what and he has a he has a he has a program but it really is not so much a program as a kind of an appeal to to believers to refocus what the refocus the way they're doing things and he also has a book on discipling people um who are emotionally immature and what i think is probably going to happen when revival comes is that we will meet a huge number of people who are emotionally damaged crippled and unable to um relate to one another in a healthy way much less become part of the healthy body of christ unless without a lot of help and a lot of inner healing so that's i probably go a little i'd probably go a little stronger than that is that all of us are emotionally damaged. Some of mm-hmm, us get yes. to live in a world where we don't bump into our emotional damage on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that's cool. You know, yeah. Right? Is that if you're, uh, you know, if you're able to sort of author your own world, uh, those of us mm-hmm. with privilege, we, we can yes. externalize those things. And it is precisely those people and individuals who trigger us emotionally <laughs> that are the boundaries of the kingdom of God. Yeah. Yeah. And yep. so the interesting that's question, right. so the, yeah, I, I really like this picture. I think that's got to the other point is that like, in order to love like Jesus, we have to become like Jesus. Yes. And I think in order to become yes. like Jesus, we have to become one with Jesus. Right. Mm. It's in this connecting mm-hmm. with yes. Jesus that we become yes. like him, that we can then act like him. Mm-hmm. And I yes. think there's maybe that's the progression. There's a becoming there's a, doing. Yeah, I think that I think that that's that's uh, so not coincidentally. I happen to have been reading a book that was given to me by a brother who comes from a Catholic background on Saint Francis and Saint Clair, but it's mostly a book about Saint mm. Francis. 
Now, I've never read anything really mm. about him. It's realistic. And what I see him in the, he really was a very real person, and he really was mm. a very God-seeking, God-centered believer who, who, because he so allowed God to deal with him, was able to, you know, to, let's say, be really tightly connected with the vine and carry the presence of Christ with him into lots of situations um, yeah. because he himself was dedicated solely to the purpose of God. So what I'm seeing is, and, and it's a, and his focus was he, he loved God. He learned to love people and he loved the gospel and he, and he, and his life revolved around all of those things. Um, yeah. So, Interesting. I mean, so, you think that there's the 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 fourth stage uh, is helping others to go on that yes. same journey. Yes. 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 And his just his influence, and plus he had a group of people around him who, like himself, were you know were dedicating themselves to living. He felt strongly that they needed to live in poverty in order to understand the life the life of people who were impoverished or who were poorer than than the average and he was able to, so he was able to communicate with all sorts of people one time he went to rome and he found a beggar and he gave away his rich clothes he came from a rich family uh he gave yeah. away his rich clothes and put on a beggar's clothes and and wore that for for a while um it, it was just it was just it was exploring his life and his dedication and i i just feel like it was really it really kind of two things speaking to my heart right now is um re returning to my to my love of Jesus and and learning in giving myself to him learning to receive from him and become more like him so um you know without yeah. without looking but i but anyway so anyway i think all of this is relatively consistent with the idea that we're looking for the fruit in discipleship we're looking for fruit rather than a display of charismatic gifts as being most important yeah so, but i think the interesting thing for me about that story because you know, we live in san francisco mm -hmm. santa clara right this whole value is shaped mm -hmm. by that relationship right and i think right. that the graciousness of that is that and this is actually i think where things get sort of messy is that on the one hand we want to manifest those fruits to other people on the other hand and this is like the parenting challenge, we want to cultivate that fruit mm -hmm. in other mm -hmm. people. And yes. sometimes I think right. that that's right. the other extreme is where we get so concerned about being gracious towards others that we don't give them the context for them to grow up, right? Mm -hmm. the, the, yes, the, yes. The toxic child problem, right? Yes, uh, Which you're yes. way more familiar with than I am. <laughs> mm -hmm. the, yes. And I think this is, the, the, this is what I feel like I've been kind of on hold with CBJ for a while because I'm like, this is the thing there's this interesting uh, intersection between uh, emotional maturity and what I would call uh, what's called anti-fragile spiritual maturity, right? Mm -hmm. It's not just being spiritually yeah. mature right. in a nice controlled environment, but being, but being uh, emotional maturity is anti-fragile spiritual maturity. It's being able to be mature when things mm -hmm. go wrong, which mm -hmm. is definitely getting into the cross somewhere. And there's mm -hmm. also getting into this issue of creating a context that calls others out into a deeper experience of the fruit of the spirit. 
Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. We've been having a chat thread with our friend Uliana uh, about this and kind of like trying to dialogue with her, like, what does it mean to actually create a context where we are encouraged to bring our ugliness and the things that we don't want to talk about and bring them to the altar, bring them to the cross so that we can deal with them rather than those being the things we avoid dealing with so we can have a nice, happy meeting together. Right. And right. like, you know, there's a lot of bad ways to do this, which can backfire horribly. And so I'm yes. kind of like still wrestling with it, but you know, she's had some ideas that I think uh, are pushing us forward. So anyway, um, this is helpful. I feel like there's a blog post or something coming out of this because uh, I haven't been able to figure out anyone who's written about this thing and maybe it's just hard to Google. Um, mm-hmm. But this feels like the, the, the thing that God wants to do that he's telling lots of people. And if we can tap into that. So yeah, mm-hmm. I, I looked up that book. Um, Send me a link to the that uh, or the title of that book about St. Francis and sure. St. Clair. Uh, I think I've read the like. Oh yes, um, right. Maybe it, yes, right. The, the the Chesterton biography of that, if I uh, is the most I know about him. But uh, there's something that I think there's something about this uh, this valley, San Francisco and, and Santa Clara, that is uh, close to God's heart on this, where if we can actually complete that redemptive arc. Uh, we can kind of yep. get to the next level of what it is we're supposed to be doing. Yeah, I had never, I never thought of made that connection, but the, but that's, I mean, you know, kind of, the, Claire apparently, once St. Francis died when he was relatively young, and Claire carried on what he had taught mm. her, and and built kind of was she was the one who uh, who kind of moved it, moved it from being a small group of people into a much larger much larger uh, framework i'll send you the uh, i'll send you the link to the to the book the two books and then you can uh, decide whether or not you think they're worth uh, worth looking at right, okay? yeah I, I found the link to the first book already i got it i have that on my reader oh, so i can check a look oh, okay see. cool okay uh, could you pray for me then yes yes father we just thank you for our for you and for our love no father we thank you for your love for us and for our lives in you we thank you that we're uh, friends, after all these years, we continue to um, to strengthen and build up our friendship, Father, in the midst of all sorts of things. Father, I pray that what we were discussing today, what is truth in what we were saying, will you will strengthen our understanding and strengthen our uh, dedication to. It. And I pray also that you will that 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 from all of this will come good fruit, Father, lasting fruit, uh, healthy fruit, um, in terms of of our lives in the spirit and and in what you're doing in the whole in the body of Christ and in the society around us. God, we want to be like Jesus. We want to bear we want to go in his name but in his spirit. And Father, we can't do that by ourselves. So please please help us to continue to seek you, continue to be changed by you and continue to be formed have the image of Jesus formed more clearly and clearly in each of us in our and those we love and those we are walking with. We thank you for this day and thank you for the things you're telling us in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, John. Amen. Have a good Thanksgiving. You too. Thank you, Ernie. Good to talk with you. Take care. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.